Part One of Euthydemus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Euthydemus by Plato. Translated by Benjamin Joet. Persons of the Dialogue. Socrates, who is the narrator of the dialogue. Crito, Cleinias, Euthydemus, Dionysodorus, Ctesippus, Scene, the Lyceum. Crito, who was the person, Socrates, with whom you were talking yesterday at the Lyceum? There was such a crowd around you that I could not get within hearing, but I caught a sight of him over their heads, and I made out, as I thought, that he was a stranger with whom you were talking. Who was he? Socrates. There were two, Crito. Which of them do you mean? Crito. The one who was seated second from you on the right-hand side. In the middle was Cleinias, the young son of Axiochos, who has wonderfully grown. He is only about the age of my own Critobulus, but he is much forwarder and very good-looking. The other is thin and looks younger than he is. Socrates. He whom you mean, Crito, is Euthydemus, and on my left hand there was his brother Dionysodorus, who also took part in the conversation. Crito, neither of them are known to me, Socrates. They are a new importation of sophists, as I should imagine. Of what country are they, and what is their line of wisdom? Socrates, as to their origin, I believe that they are natives of this part of the world, and have migrated from Chios and Thurii. They were driven out of Thurii, and have been living for many years past in this region. As to their wisdom, about which you ask, Crito, they are wonderful, consummate. I never knew what the true Pancratius was before. They are simply made up of fighting, not like the two Acarnanian brothers who fight with their bodies only, but this pair are perfect in the use of their bodies, and have a universal mode of fighting, for they are capital at fighting in armor, and will teach the art to any one who pays them and also they are masters of legal fence, and are ready to do battle in the courts. They will give lessons in speaking and pleading, and in writing speeches, and this was only the beginning of their wisdom, but they have at last carried out the pancratiastic art to the very end, and have mastered the only mode of fighting which had been hitherto neglected by them, and now no one dares look at them. Such is their skill in the war of words, that they can refute any proposition, whether true or false. Now, I am thinking, Crito, of putting myself in their hands, for they say that in a short time they can impart their skill to anyone. Crito, but, Socrates, are you not too old? There may be reason to fear that. Socrates, certainly not, Crito, as I will prove to you, for I have the consolation of knowing that they began this art of disputation which I covet, quite, as I may say, in old age. Last year, or the year before, they had none of their new wisdom. I am only apprehensive that I may bring the two strangers into disrepute, as I have done Conos, the son of Metrobius, the harp-player, who is still my music-master. For when the boys who also go to him see me going, they laugh at me and call him Grandpapa's master. Now I should not like the strangers to experience this sort of treatment, and perhaps they may be afraid and not like to receive me because of this. And therefore, Crito, 
I shall try and persuade some old men to go along with me to them, as I persuaded them to go to Konos, and I hope that you will make one, and perhaps we had better take your sons as a bait. They will want to have them, and will be willing to receive us as pupils for the sake of them. Crito. I see no objection, Socrates, if you like, but first I wish that you would give me a description of their wisdom, that I may know beforehand what we are going to learn. Socrates, I will tell you at once, for I cannot say that I did not attend. The fact was that I paid great attention to them, and I remember and will endeavour to tell you the whole story. I was providentially sitting alone in the dressing-room of the Lyceum in which you saw me, and was about to depart, when, as I was getting up, I recognised the familiar divine sign, so I sat down again, and in a little while the two brothers, Euthydemus and Dionysodorus, came in, and several others with them, whom I believed to be their disciples, and they walked about in the covered space. They had not taken more than two or three turns when Cleinias entered, who, as you truly say, is very much improved. He was followed by a host of lovers, one of whom was Catesipos the Paeanian, a well-bred youth, but also having the wildness of youth. Cleinias saw me from the entrance as I was sitting alone, and at once came and sat down on the right hand of me, as you describe, and Dionysodorus and Euthydemus, when they saw him, at first stopped and talked with one another, now and then glancing at us, for I particularly watched them, and then Euthydemus came and sat down by the youth, and the other by me on the left hand, the rest anywhere. I saluted the brothers, whom I had not seen for a long time, and then I said to Cleinias, These two men, Euthydemus and Dionysodorus, Cleinias, are not in a small, but in a large way of wisdom, for they know all about war, all that a good general ought to know about the array and command of an army, and the whole art of fighting in armour, and they know about law too, and can teach a man how to use the weapons of the courts when he is injured. They heard me say this, and I was despised by them. They looked at one another, and both of them laughed, and then Euthydemus said, Those Socrates are matters which we no longer pursue seriously. They are secondary occupations to us. Indeed, I said, if such occupations are regarded by you as secondary, what must the principal one be? Tell me, I beseech you, what that noble study is. The teaching of virtue, Socrates, he replied, is our principal occupation, and we believe that we can impart it better and quicker than any man. My God, I said, and where did you learn that? I always thought, as I was saying just now, that your chief accomplishment was the art of fighting in armour, and this was what I used to say of you, for I remember that this was professed by you when you were here before, but now, if you really have the other knowledge, oh, forgive me, I address you as I would superior beings, and ask you to pardon the impiety of my former expression. But are you quite sure about this, Dionysodorus and Euthydemus? The promise is so vast that a feeling of incredulity will creep in. You may take our word, Socrates, for the fact then I think you happier in having such a treasure than the great king is in the possession of his kingdom. And please to tell me whether you intend to exhibit this wisdom, or what you will do. That is why we are come hither, Socrates, 
and our purpose is not only to exhibit but also to teach anyone who likes to learn but i can promise you i said that every unvirtuous person will want to learn i shall be the first and there is the youth cleinias and catesippus and here are several others i said pointing to the lovers of cleinias who were beginning to gather round us now catesippus was sitting at some distance from cleinias and when euthydemus leaned forward in talking with me he was prevented from seeing cleinias who was between us and so partly because he wanted to look at his love and also because he was interested he jumped up and stood opposite to us and all the other admirers of cleinias as well as the disciples of euthydemus and dionysodorus followed his example and these were the persons whom i showed to euthydemus telling him that they were all eager to learn to which ctesippus and all of them with one voice vehemently assented and bid him exhibit the power of his wisdom then i said o oh, euthydemus and dionysodorus i earnestly request you to do myself and the company the favour to exhibit there may be some trouble in giving the whole exhibition but tell me one thing can you make a good man only of him who is convinced that he ought to learn of you or of him also who is not convinced either because he imagines that virtue is not a thing which can be taught at all or that you two are not the teachers of it say whether your art is able to persuade such an one nevertheless that virtue can be taught and that you are the men from whom he will be most likely to learn this is the art socrates said dionysodorus and no other and you dionysodorus i said are the men who among those who are now living are the most likely to stimulate him to philosophy and the study of virtue yes socrates i rather think that we are then i wish that you would be so good as to defer the other part of the exhibition and only try to persuade the youth whom you see here that he ought to be a philosopher and study virtue exhibit that and you will confer a great favour on me and on every one present for the fact is that i and all of us are extremely anxious that he should be truly good his name is cleinias and he is the son of axiochos and grandson of the old alcibiades cousin of the alcibiades that now is he is quite young and we are naturally afraid that some one may get the start of us and turn his mind in a wrong direction and he may be ruined your visit therefore is most happily timed and i hope that you will make a trial of the young man and converse with him in our presence if you have no objection these were pretty nearly the expressions which i used and euthydemus in a lofty and at the same time cheerful tone replied there can be no objection socrates if the young man is only willing to answer questions he is quite accustomed to that i replied for his friends often come and ask him questions and argue with him so that he is at home in answering what followed crito how can i rightly narrate for not slight is the task of rehearsing infinite wisdom and therefore like the poets i ought to commence my relation with an invocation to memory and the muses now euthydemus if i remember rightly began nearly as follows o oh, cleinias are those who learn the wise or the ignorant the youth overpowered by the question blushed and in his perplexity looked at me for help and i knowing that he was disconcerted said don't be afraid cleinias but answer like a man whichever you think 
for my belief is that you will derive the greatest good from their questions whichever he answers said dionysodorus leaning forward in my ear and laughing i prophesy that he will be refuted socrates while he was speaking to me cleinias gave his answer the consequence was that i had no time to warn him of the predicament in which he was placed and he answered that those who learned were the wise euthydemus proceeded there are those whom you call teachers are there not the boy assented and they are the teachers of those who learn the grammar master and the lyre master used to teach you and other boys and you were the learners yes and when you were learners you did not as yet know the things which you were learning no he said and were you wise then no indeed he said but if you were not wise you were unlearned certainly you then learning what you did not know were unlearned when you were learning the youth nodded assent then the unlearned learn and not the wise cleinias as you imagine at these words the followers of euthydemus of whom i spoke like a chorus at the bidding of their director laughed and cheered then before the youth had well time to recover dionysodorus took him in hand and said yes cleinias and when the grammar-master dictated to you were they the wise boys or the unlearned who learned the dictation the wise replied cleinias then after all the wise are the learners and not the unlearned and your last answer to euthydemus was wrong then followed another peal of laughter and shouting which came from the admirers of the two heroes who were ravished with their wisdom while the rest of us were silent and amazed this euthydemus perceiving determined to persevere with the youth and in order to heighten the effect went on asking another similar question which might be compared to the double turn of an expert dancer do those said he who learn learn what they know or what they do not know dionysodorus said to me in a whisper that socrates is just another of the same sort good heavens i said and your last question was so good like all our other questions socrates he replied inevitable i see the reason i said why you are in such reputation among your disciples meanwhile cleinias had answered euthydemus that those who learned learned what they do not know and he put him through a series of questions as before don't you know letters he assented all letters yes but when the teacher dictates to you does he not dictate letters he admitted that then if you know all letters he dictates that which you know he admitted that also then said the other you do not learn that which he dictates but he only who does not know letters learns nay said cleinias but i do learn then said he you learn what you know if you know all the letters he admitted that then he said you were wrong in your answer the word was hardly out of his mouth when dionysodorus took up the argument like a ball which he caught and had another throw at the youth cleinias he said euthydemus is deceiving you for tell me now is not learning acquiring knowledge of that which one learns cleinias assented and knowing is having knowledge at the time he agreed and not knowing is not having knowledge at the time he admitted that and are those who acquire those who have or have not a thing those who have not and 
have you not admitted that those who do not know are of the number of those who have not he nodded assent then those who learn are of the class of those who acquire and not of those who have he agreed then cleinias he said those who do not know learn and not those who know euthydemus was proceeding to give the youth a third fall but i knew that he was in deep water and therefore as i wanted to give him a rest and also in order that he might not get out of heart i said to him consolingly you must not be surprised cleinias at the singularity of their mode of speech this i say because you may not understand what they are doing with you they are only initiating you after the manner of the corbantes in the mysteries and this answers to the enthronement which if you have ever been initiated is as you will know accompanied by dancing and sport and now they are just prancing and dancing about you and will next proceed to initiate you and at this stage you must imagine yourself to have gone through the first part of the sophistical ritual which as Protocos says begins with initiation into the correct use of terms the two strange gentlemen wanted to explain to you as you do not know that the word to learn has two meanings and is used first in the sense of acquiring knowledge of some matter of which you previously have no knowledge and also when you have the knowledge in the sense of reviewing the same matter done or spoken by the light of this knowledge this last is generally called knowing rather than learning but the word learning is also used and you did not see that the word is used of two opposite sorts of men of those who know and of those who do not know as they explained there was a similar trick in the second question when they asked you whether men learn what they know or what they do not know these parts of learning are not serious and therefore i say that these gentlemen are not serious but only in fun with you and if a man had all that sort of knowledge that ever was he would not be at all the wiser he would only be able to play with men tripping them up and oversetting them with distinctions of words he would be like a person who pulls away a stool from some one when he is about to sit down and then laughs and claps his hands at the sight of his friend sprawling on the ground and you must regard all that has passed hitherto as merely play but now i am certain that they will proceed to business and keep their promise i will show them how for they promised to give me a sample of the hortatory philosophy but i suppose that they wanted to have a game of play with you first and now euthydemus and dionysodorus i said i think that we have had enough of this will you let me see you exhibiting to the young man and showing him how he is to apply himself to the study of virtue and wisdom and i will first show you what i conceive to be the nature of the task and what i desire to hear and if i do this in a very inartistic and ridiculous manner do not laugh at me for i only venture to improvise before you because i am eager to hear your wisdom and i must therefore ask you to keep your countenances and your disciples also and now o son of axiochos let me put a question to you do not all men desire happiness and yet perhaps this is one of those ridiculous questions which i am afraid to ask and which ought not to be asked by a sensible man for what human being is there who does not desire happiness there is no one said cleinias who does not well then i said since we all of us desire happiness how can we be happy that is the next question shall we not be happy 
if we have many good things and this perhaps is even a more simple question than the first for there can be no doubt of the answer he assented and what things do we esteem good no solemn sage is required to tell us this which may be easily answered for every one will say that wealth is a good certainly he said and are not health and beauty goods and other personal gifts he agreed now can there be any doubt that good birth and power and honours in one's own land are goods he assented and what other goods are there i said what do you say of justice temperance courage do you not verily and indeed think cleinias that we shall be more right in ranking them as goods than in not ranking them as goods for a dispute might possibly arise about this what then do you say they are goods said cleinias very well i said and in what company shall we find a place for wisdom among the goods or not among the goods and now i said think whether we have left out any considerable goods i do not think that we have said cleinias upon recollection i said indeed i am afraid that we have left out the greatest of them all what is that he asked fortune cleinias i replied which all even the most foolish admit to be the greatest of goods true he said on second thoughts i added how narrowly o son of axiochos have you and i escaped making a laughing-stock of ourselves to the strangers why do you say that why because we have already spoken of fortune and are but repeating ourselves what do you mean i mean that there is something ridiculous in putting fortune again forward and saying the same thing twice over he asked what was the meaning of this and i replied surely wisdom is good fortune even a child may know that the simple-minded youth was amazed and observing this i said to him do you not know cleinias that flute-players are most fortunate and successful in performing on the flute he assented and are not the scribes most fortunate in writing and reading letters certainly amid the dangers of the sea again are any more fortunate on the whole than wise pilots none certainly and if you were engaged in war in whose company would you rather take the risk in company with a wise general or with a foolish one with a wise one and if you were ill whom would you rather have as a companion in a dangerous illness a wise physician or an ignorant one a wise one you think i said that to act with a wise man is more fortunate than to act with an ignorant one he assented then wisdom always makes men fortunate for by wisdom no man could ever err and therefore he must act rightly and succeed or his wisdom would be wisdom no longer at last we somehow contrived to agree in a general conclusion that he who had wisdom had no longer need of fortune i then recalled to his mind the previous state of the question you remember i said our making the admission that we should be happy and fortunate if many good things were present with us he assented and should we be happy by reason of the presence of good things if they profited us not or if they profited us if they profited us he said and would they profit us if we only had them and did not use them for example if we had a great deal of food and did not eat or a great deal of drink and did not drink should we be profited certainly not he said or would an artisan who had all the implements necessary for his work 
and did not use them be any the better for the possession of all that he ought to possess for example would a carpenter be any the better for having all his tools and plenty of wood if he never worked certainly not he said and if a person had wealth and all the goods of which we were just now speaking and did not use them would he be happy because he possessed them no indeed socrates then i said a man who would be happy must not only have the good things but he must also use them there is no advantage in merely having them true well cleinias but if you have the use as well as the possession of good things is that sufficient to confer happiness yes in my opinion and may a person use them either rightly or wrongly he must use them rightly that is quite true i said and the wrong use of a thing is far worse than the non-use for the one is an evil and the other is neither a good nor an evil you admit that he assented now in the working and use of wood is not that which gives the right use simply the knowledge of the carpenter nothing else he said and surely in the manufacture of vessels knowledge is that which gives the right way of making them he agreed and in the use of the goods of which we spoke at first wealth and health and beauty is not knowledge that which directs us to the right use of them and guides our practice about them knowledge he replied then in every possession and every use of a thing knowledge is that which gives a man not only good fortune but success he assented and tell me i said oh tell me what do possessions profit a man if he have neither sense nor wisdom would a man be better off having and doing many things without wisdom or a few things with wisdom look at the matter thus if he did fewer things would he not make fewer mistakes if he made fewer mistakes would he not have fewer misfortunes and if he had fewer misfortunes would he not be less miserable certainly he said and who would do least a poor man or a rich man a poor man a weak man or a strong man a weak man a noble man or a mean man a mean man and a coward would do less than a courageous and temperate man yes and an indolent man less than an active man he assented and a slow man less than a quick and one who had dull perceptions of seeing and hearing less than one who had keen eyes all this was mutually allowed by us then i said cleinias the sum of the matter appears to be that the goods of which we spoke before are not to be regarded as goods in themselves but the degree of good and evil in them depends on whether they are or are not under the guidance of knowledge under the guidance of ignorance they are greater evils than their opposites inasmuch as they are more able to minister to the evil principle which rules them and when under the guidance of wisdom and virtue they are greater goods but in themselves they are nothing that he said appears to be certain what then i said is the result of all this is not this the result that other things are indifferent and that wisdom is the only good and ignorance the only evil he assented let us consider this further point i said seeing that all men desire happiness and happiness as has been shown is gained by a use and a right use of the things of life and the right use of them and good fortune in the use of them is given by knowledge 
the inference is that every man ought by all means to try and make himself as wise as he can yes he said and the desire to obtain this treasure which is far more precious than money from a father or a guardian or a friend or a suitor whether citizen or stranger the eager desire and prayer to them that they would impart wisdom to you is not at all dishonourable cleinias nor is any one to be blamed for doing any honourable service or ministration to any man whether a lover or not if his aim is wisdom do you agree to that i said yes he said i quite agree and think that you are right yes i said cleinias if only wisdom can be taught and does not come to man spontaneously for that is a point which has still to be considered and is not yet agreed upon by you and me but i think socrates that wisdom can be taught he said best of men i said i am delighted to hear you say that and i am also grateful to you for having saved me from a long and tiresome speculation as to whether wisdom can be taught or not but now as you think that wisdom can be taught and that wisdom only can make a man happy and fortunate will you not acknowledge that all of us ought to love wisdom and that you in particular should be of this mind and try to love her certainly socrates he said and i will do my best i was pleased at hearing this and i turned to dionysodorus and euthydemus and said that is an example clumsy and tedious i admit of the sort of exhortations which i desire you to offer and i hope that one of you will set forth what i have been saying in a more artistic style at any rate take up the inquiry where i left off and next show the youth whether he should have all knowledge or whether there is one sort of knowledge only which will make him good and happy and what that is for as i was saying at first the improvement of this young man in virtue and wisdom is a matter which we have very much at heart thus i spoke crito and was all attention to what was coming i wanted to see how they would approach the question and where they would start in their exhortation to the young man that he should practise wisdom and virtue dionysodorus the elder spoke first everybody's eyes were directed towards him perceiving that something wonderful might shortly be expected and certainly they were not far wrong for the man crito began a remarkable discourse well worth hearing and wonderfully persuasive as an exhortation to virtue tell me he said socrates and the rest of you who say that you want this young man to become wise are you in jest or in real earnest i was led by this to imagine that they fancied us to have been jesting when we asked them to converse with the youth and that this made them jest and play and being under this impression i was the more decided in saying that we were in profound earnest dionysodorus said reflect socrates you may have to deny your words i have reflected i said and i shall never deny my words well said he and so you say that you wish cleinias to become wise undoubtedly and he is not wise as yet at least his modesty will not allow him to say that he is you wish him he said to become wise and not to be ignorant that we do you wish him to be what he is not and no longer to be what he is i was thrown into consternation at this taking advantage of my consternation he added you wish him no longer to be what he is which can only mean that you wish him to perish pretty lovers and friends they must be who want their favourite not to be or to perish when ctesippus heard this he got very angry 
as a lover might, and said, Strangers of three, if politeness would allow me, I should say, you be... What can make you tell such a lie about me, and the others, which I hardly like to repeat, as that I wish Cleinias to perish? Euthydemus replied, And do you think, Ctesippus, that it is possible to tell a lie? Yes, said Ctesippus, I should be mad to deny that. And in telling a lie, do you tell the thing of which you speak, or not? You tell the thing of which you speak. And he who tells, tells that thing which he tells, and no other? Yes, said Ctesippus. And that is a distinct thing apart from other things? Certainly. And he who says that thing says that which is? Yes. And he who says that which is says the truth? And therefore, Dionysodorus, if he says that which is, says the truth of you and no lie? Yes, Euthydemus, said Ctesippus, but in saying this he says what is not. Euthydemus answered, And that which is not is not? True. And that which is not is nowhere? Nowhere. And can any one do anything about that which has no existence, or do to Cleinias that which is not and is nowhere? I think not, said Ctesippus. Well, but do rhetoricians, when they speak in the assembly, do nothing? Nay, he said, they do something. And doing is making? Yes. And speaking is doing and making? He agreed. Then, no one says that which is not, for in saying that he would be doing nothing, and you have already acknowledged that no one can do what is not, and therefore upon your own showing no one says what is false, but if Dionysodorus says anything, he says what is true, and what is? Yes, Euthydemus, said Ctesippus, but he speaks of things in a certain way and manner, and not as they really are. Why, Ctesippus, said Dionysodorus, do you mean to say that anyone speaks of things as they are? Yes, he said, all gentlemen and truth-speaking persons. And are not good things good, and evil things evil? He assented. And you say that gentlemen speak of things as they are? Yes. Then the good speak evil of evil things, if they speak of them as they are? Yes, indeed, he said, and they speak evil of evil men. And, if I may give you a piece of advice, you had better take care that they don't speak evil of you, since I can tell you that the good speak evil of the evil. And do they speak great things of the great, rejoined Euthydemus, and warm things of the warm? Yes, indeed, said Ctesippus, and they speak coldly of the insipid and cold dialectician. You are abusive, Ctesippus, you are abusive. Indeed, I am not Dionysodorus, he replied, for I love you, and am giving you friendly advice, and, if I could, would persuade you not to make so uncivil a speech to me as that I desire my beloved, whom I value above all men, to perish. I saw that they were getting exasperated with one another, so I made a joke with him and said, Oh, Ctesippus, I think that we must allow the strangers to use language in their own way, and not quarrel with them about words, but be thankful for what they give us if they know how to destroy men in such a way as to make good and sensible men out of bad and foolish ones, whether this is a discovery of their own, or whether they have learned from someone else, this new sort of death and destruction, which enables them to get rid of a bad man and put a good one in his place, if they know this, and they do know this, at any rate they said just now that this was the secret of their newly discovered art, 
let them in their phraseology destroy the youth and make him wise and all of us with him but if you young men do not like to trust yourselves with them then fiat experimentum in corpore sensis i will be the carrion on whom they shall operate and here i offer my old person to dionysodorus he may put me into the pot like medea the Colchian, kill me pickle me eat me if you will only make me good ctesippus said and i socrates am ready to commit myself to the strangers they may skin me alive if they please and i am pretty well skinned by them already if only my skin is made at last not like that of marcius into a leathern bottle but into a piece of virtue and here is dionysodorus fancying that i am angry with him when i am really not angry at all i do but contradict him when he seems to me to be in the wrong and you must not confound abuse and contradiction o illustrious dionysodorus for they are quite different things contradiction said dionysodorus why there never was such a thing certainly there is he replied there can be no question of that do you dionysodorus maintain that there is not you will never prove to me he said that you have heard any one contradicting any one else indeed he said then now you may hear ctesippus contradicting dionysodorus are you prepared to make that good certainly he said well then are not words expressive of things yes of their existence or of their non-existence of their existence for as you may remember ctesippus we just now proved that no man could affirm a negative for no one could affirm that which is not and what does that signify said ctesippus you and i may contradict all the same for that but can we contradict one another said dionysodorus when both of us are describing the same thing then we must surely be speaking the same thing he admitted that or when neither of us is speaking of the same thing for then neither of us says a word about the thing at all he granted that also but when i describe something and you describe another thing or i say something and you say nothing is there any contradiction how can he who speaks contradict him who speaks not here ctesippus was silent and i in my astonishment said what do you mean dionysodorus i have often heard and have been amazed to hear this thesis of yours which is maintained and employed by the disciples of protagoras and others before them and which to me appears to be quite wonderful and suicidal as well as destructive and i think that i am most likely to hear the truth of this from you the dictum is that there is no such thing as falsehood a man must either say what is true or say nothing is not that your position he assented but if he cannot speak falsely may he not think falsely no he cannot he said then there is no such thing as false opinion no he said then there is no such thing as ignorance or men who are ignorant for is not ignorance if there be such a thing a mistake of facts certainly he said and that is impossible impossible he replied are you saying this is a paradox dionysodorus or do you seriously maintain that no man is ignorant do you refute me he said but how can i refute you if as you say falsehood is impossible very true said euthydemus neither did i tell you just now to refute me said dionysodorus for how can i tell you to do that which is not oh euthydemus i said i have but a dull conception of these subtleties and excellent devices of wisdom 
I am afraid that I hardly understand them, and you must forgive me, therefore, if I ask a very stupid question. If there be no falsehood, or false opinion, or ignorance, there can be no such thing as erroneous action, for a man cannot fail of acting as he is acting. That is what you mean? Yes, he replied. And now, I said, I will ask my stupid question. If there is no such thing as error indeed, word, or thought, then what, in the name of goodness, do you come hither to teach? And were you not just now saying that you could teach virtue best of all men to any one who could learn? And are you such an old fool, Socrates, rejoined Dionysodorus, that you bring up now what I said at first? And if I had said anything last year, I suppose that you would bring that up, but are nonplussed at the words I have just uttered. Why, I said, they are not easy to answer, for they are the words of wise men, and indeed I have a great difficulty in knowing what you mean in that last expression of yours, that I am nonplussed at them. What do you mean by that, Dionysodorus? You must mean that I have no refutation of them. Tell me if the words have any other sense. No, he said, the sense or meaning of them is that there is a difficulty in answering them, and I wish that you would answer. What, before you, Dionysodorus, I said? Answer, said he. And is that fair? Yes, quite fair, he said. Upon what principle, I said? I can only suppose that you are a very wise man who comes to us in the character of a great logician, and who knows when to answer and when not to answer, and now you won't open your mouth at all, because you know that you ought not. You prate, he said, instead of answering. But if, my good sir, you admit that I am wise, answer as I tell you. I suppose that I must obey, for you are master. Put the question. Are the things which have sense alive or lifeless? They are alive. And do you know of any word which is alive? I cannot say that I do. Then, why did you ask me what sense my words had? Why, because I was stupid and made a mistake, and yet perhaps I was right after all in saying that words have a sense. What do you say, wise man? If I was not in error, and you do not refute me, all your wisdom will be nonplussed. But if I did fall into error, then again you are wrong in saying that there is no error. And this remark was made by you not quite a year ago. I am inclined to think, however, Dionysodorus, and Euthydemus, that this argument is not very likely to advance. Even your skill in the subtleties of logic, which is really amazing, has not found out the way of throwing another and not falling yourself. Ctesippus said, Men of Chios, Thurii, or however and whatever you call yourselves, I wonder at you, for you seem to have no objection to talking nonsense. Fearing that there would be high words, I endeavoured to soothe Ctesippus, and said to him, to you, Ctesippus, I must repeat what I said before to Cleinias, that you don't understand the peculiarity of these philosophers. They are not serious, but, like the Egyptian wizard, Proteus, they take different forms, and deceive us by their enchantments, and, let us, like Menelaus, refuse to let them go, until they show us their real form and character. When they are in earnest, their full beauty will appear. Let us, then, beg, and entreat, and beseech them to shine forth and I think that I had better show them once more the form in which I pray to behold them. I will go on where I left off before, as well as I can, in the hope that I may touch their hearts, and move them to pity, and that when they see me deeply serious, they may also be serious. 
you cleinias i said shall remind me at what point we left off did we not agree that philosophy should be studied and was not that our conclusion yes he replied and philosophy is the acquisition of knowledge yes he said and what knowledge ought we to acquire is not the simple answer to that a knowledge that will do us good certainly he said and should we be any the better if we went about having a knowledge of the places where most gold was hidden in the earth perhaps we should he said but have we not already proved i said that we should be none the better off even if without trouble and digging all the gold that there is in the earth were ours and if we knew how to convert stones into gold the knowledge would be of no value to us unless we also knew how to use the gold do you not remember i said i quite remember he said nor would any other knowledge whether of money-making or of medicine or of any other art which knows only how to make a thing and not to use that which is made be of any use to us is not that true he agreed and if there were a knowledge which was able to make men immortal without giving them the knowledge of the way to use the immortality neither would there be any use in that if we may argue from the analogy of the previous instances to all this he agreed then my dear boy i said the knowledge which we want is one that uses as well as makes true he said and our desire is not to be skilful lyre-makers or artists of that sort far otherwise for with them the art which makes is one and the art which uses is another having to do with the same they are divided for the art which makes and the art which plays on the lyre differ widely from one another am i not right he agreed and clearly we do not want the art of the flute-maker for that is another of the same sort he assented but suppose i said that we were to learn the art of making speeches would that be the art which would make us happy i think not rejoined cleinias and what proof have you of that i asked i see he replied that there are some composers of speeches who do not know how to use the speeches which they make just as the makers of lyres do not know how to use the lyres and also some who are of themselves unable to compose speeches but are able to use the speeches which the others make for them and this proves that the art of making speeches is not the same as the art of using them yes i said and that i think is a sufficient proof that the art of making speeches is not one which will make a man happy and yet i did think that the art which we are seeking might be discovered in that direction for the composers of speeches whenever i meet them always appear to me to be very extraordinary men cleinias and their art is lofty and divine and no wonder for their art is a part of the great art of enchantment and hardly if at all inferior to it and whereas the art of the enchanter is a mode of charming snakes and spiders and scorpions and other monsters and pests this art acts upon die-casts and ecclesiasts and bodies of men for the charming and consoling of them do you agree with me yes he said i think that you are quite right whither then shall we go i said and to what art shall we have recourse i do not see my way he said but i think that i do i replied and what is your notion asked cleinias i think that the art of the general is the one the possession of which is most likely to make a man happy i do not think that he said why not i said the art of the general is surely an art of hunting mankind what of that i said why he said no art of hunting extends beyond hunting and capturing 
and when the prey is taken they cannot use it but the huntsman or fisherman hands it over to the cook and the geometricians and astronomers and calculators who all belong to the hunting class for they do not make their diagrams but only find out that which was previously contained in them they i say not being able to use but only to catch their prey hand over their inventions to the dialecticians to be applied by them if they have any sense in them good i said fairest and wisest cleinias and is this true certainly he said just as a general when he takes a city or a camp hands over his new acquisition to the statesman for he does not know how to use them himself or as the quail-taker transfers the quails to the keeper of them if we are looking for that art which is to make us blessed and which is able to use that which it makes or takes the art of the general is not the one and some other must be found crito and do you mean to say socrates that the youngster said that socrates are you incredulous crito crito indeed i am for if he said that i am of opinion that he needs neither euthydemus nor any one else to be his instructor socrates perhaps i may have forgotten and ctesippus was the real answerer crito ctesippus nonsense socrates all i know is that i heard these words and that they were not spoken either by euthydemus or dionysodorus i dare say my good crito that they may have been spoken by some superior person that i heard them i am certain crito yes indeed socrates by some one a good deal superior as i should be disposed to think but did you carry the search any further and did you find the art which you were seeking and of part one of euthydemus recording in memory of mitchell edwards